listening to Law and Gospel on this June the 1st in the year of our Lord 2021. And it's a Rumination Tuesday where we're going to be listening to the hymn, Rise to Arms. Rise to Arms, and guess who the author was? His name is Wilhelm Erasmus Ahrens, born in 1677 into a family of pastors at Langenstein, Germany. His father was a pastor but died when Wilhelm was only two. So he grew up with his family of his uncle who followed Wilhelm's father as pastor in Langenstein. His Rise to Arms is a pietistic hymn with a prayer employ you, was first found and is a reflection of the Christian's engagement in spiritual warfare, warfare coupled with the certainty of victory by faith in Christ and his words. As indicated, it is a product of pietism. That was a movement in the late 17th and early 18th century German and Scandinavian Protestantism that emphasized holy living as a reflection of one's Christian faith. And there were many, many hymns in a pietistic point of view. And we're going to be talking about the importance of that pietism. At this point, we're going to introduce myself, Pastor Tom Baker, and with me is Pastor Mark Smith. Hi, Mark. Hey, Tom, how you doing? Can you believe it? It's the first day of June. Well, I did say that. What, what are you looking forward to Christmas? <laughs> I'm always looking forward to Christmas. I know I'm looking you are. forward to Advent. Yeah, I'm I'm enjoying this summer though. I like I like summer to take its sweet time. You know what I mean? I like it just to take its time. I love summer. You you often say you like uh, the time of Lent, etc. How about the Sundays of Pentecost? Yeah, yeah. I uh, in in years past, you know, I used to preach uh, sermon series like on the Ten Commandments or on the Apostles' Creed. I haven't done that for a while. I've been thinking about maybe trying that this summer, but I'm not sure. 
I think I might just stick with the appointed lessons. Yeah, that's what I always do. In fact, on uh, Monday, it was a repeat broadcast, but they used the Holy Gospel for Mark 3 that I had done three years ago. So that was done. So tomorrow, I'm going to be taking a look at the other reading we have, and that's from Genesis chapter 3, and that's the fall of Adam and Eve into sin. Right, right. So we'll be looking at that. So this hymn, Rise to Arms with Prayer Employ You, if you'd be so kind as to read the first stanza. You bet. Rise to arms with prayer employ you, O Christians, lest the foe destroy you, for Satan has designed your fall. Wield God's word, the weapon glorious, against all foes be thus victorious. For God protects you from them all. Fear not the hordes of hell. Here is Emmanuel. Hail the Savior. The strong foes yield to Christ our shield. And we, the victors, hold the field. Yes. Now, I said this is kind of a pietistic hymn. But uh, it's very close to another hymn that you and I really like. Because it is also based on Psalm 46, and what was based on Psalm 46? Almighty Fortress is our God. Exactly. Yes. In fact, there are five clear parallels of language between a mighty fortress and the three verses of rise to arms, even though it's out of the age of pietism. And pietism was a time when people were, well, how shall we put it? They were exemplifying a good life. And therefore, unfortunately, some of it is somewhat law-oriented. And you get a reverse order in pietism uh, a lot of times. The regular order is that God comes down to us in pietism, with rising to arms, employing prayer, we rise up to God. And that's a difference, isn't it? Yeah. Isn't it also interesting, Tom, that it's kind of, this, this hymn, as well as A Mighty Fortress is Our God, are kind of, kind of materialistic, uh, not materialistic, militaristic, militaristic in their approach. You know, it's, uh, it's rise to arms, um, uh, lest the foe destroy you. In other words, it's like a battle. You know, it's very much uh, the, the church militant here. And uh, a mighty fortress is our God the same way. You know, it talks about fortress and uh, Christ our shield. It's, I, I always, you know, it's funny. That, that's maybe the Air Force brat in me. Uh, I always kind of like military pictures in hymns. It's just I'm just kind of interested. I'm a military history buff anyway, and uh, uh, I'm always kind of drawn to those hymns. Well, it could be also that you looked at the top of the page. Mm, Oh, yeah, the church militant. You are right. It's it's in that section of the church militant, yes. Exactly. (laughs) I hadn't even looked at that. Well, that's a good insight, though, that you had, uh, particularly with your background. So... Rise to Arms, this is really a good message 
for us today in this country, isn't it? Yes. Oh, oh I was thinking the same thing because, you know, uh, you know, the, the leftist movement, um, all these uh, all these uh, these threatening movements that are that are that are coming at us these days. Wokeism. Um, Wokeism? Yeah, wokism. You know this this uh, the, the cancel culture. Um, How would you explain are, are, that? They're, they're, what? How do you explain the cancel culture? Cancel culture is that uh, you know it's uh, the idea being that uh, if you don't if you don't think and act just as we think, yes. uh, you're out of here. Right. Yeah. There, there's a and, lot and, and of Christianity. Let me tell you, Christianity is is under threat. It's just, you know, it's heating up already. You can see it. Well, I make a distinction. Um, couldn't you say that was true at the time of Jesus? Of course. And yet it didn't come to anything. No, that's right. Well, ab absolutely. With Christ, we hold the field, as the hymn says. We've got nothing to fear. We really don't. But we do need to wake up. We need to be awake. And we need to watch, and we need to be alert, and we, and we need to uh, uh, employ ourselves with prayer and with the whole armor of God. You know, one of the uh, one of the uh, the passages that's given on the bottom of the page is um, Ephesians six, where we're put up, we're to put on the whole armor of God, so that we'll be able to stand in the evil day. Exactly, and that's really what that first stanza says. In other words. We need to be having prayer employed, lest the foe destroy you. Uh, I really like this one little phrase, for Satan has designed your fall. Yes. How would you explain that to a, a child? Well, he, he is. You know, I, I, think of, I think of the, oh, it's, it's a, a thing that I've seen on church signs sometimes. You can't fall far when you're on your knees. That's why you employ yourself with prayer. You cannot fall far when you're on your knees in prayer. Um, if you're in prayer, if you're, if you're attuned to the Lord and you're beseeching them in prayer, you can be sure he's with you. In fact, you can be sure he's with you anyway. Now, what's the weapon that we use? We use the, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Wield, wield God's Word. Yes, and a good example of that was Jesus when he was tempted by the devil. What did Jesus do? He didn't. You know, he could have, he could have taken Satan, uh, twirled him around his little finger, and thrown him 100 miles if he wanted to. But instead, he resorted to the word, which is what he would have us do. He, he said, be gone, Satan. And uh, Satan had to flee. But he also used verses from Deuteronomy. In the each word. of Right. Yes. The word. From the word of God. So, fear not the hordes of hell. Who would be in the hordes of hell? The whole lot of them. Anybody who is anybody who's uh, uh, under the under Satan's power, uh, all of Satan's evil demons that uh, you know this world's prince may still scowl fierce as he will. He can harm us none. He's done. The deed is done. One little word can fell him. So, but but they're all around. You know, just as just as God's protective angels are around us, 
So uh, the powers of the air, as, as Scripture speaks about, the powers of the air. Uh, Satan is out there too, and his his minions are all around, and they're evident. They're evident in society today. So we're not talking about minions in the sense of demons, but actually human beings that have been following the wiles of Satan. Right. And evil spirits, too. Yes. All righty. For many have gone out in the world, as we're told in the Scripture, that many, many evil spirits have gone out in the world. So we need to be aware of them, too. All right. I'll read stanza two. Cast afar this world's vain pleasure and boldly strive for heavenly measure. Treasure. Be steadfast. Oh, yeah, heavenly treasure. Be steadfast in the Savior's might. Trust the Lord who stands beside you. For Jesus from all harm will hide you. By faith you conquer in the fight. Take courage, weary soul. Look forward to the goal. Joy awaits you. The race well run. Your long war won. Your crown shines splendid as the sun. So, the phrase I would like you to explain a little bit more is, by faith you conquer in the fight. Can you give an example of that? By faith you conquer in the fight. You can't, you, well, you can't lose when you're, when you're hanging on to God's promises. You cannot lose. That's he will the not way to let put you it. down. What? That's the way to put it. His yeah. promises. That's like right. You, at, you cling to his promises. At a funeral service, people weep, but they do not weep as those who have no hope. Exactly. And that's what I think that's meaning, that as you hear the sermon, you believe the promises in the sermon that the loved one who is a Christian, you will see them again. That's and right. Therefore, you are conquering Satan who's putting bad thoughts in your mind, and you're conquering him in that fight. Yeah, be gone, Satan, for I'm baptized. That's clinging to God's promise. That's good. Yes, that's one of the answers when somebody asks you the question, how do you know you're saved? Um, a lot of people will say, I was baptized, but you said it properly, I am baptized. Right. Your baptism is, a, is good every day of your life, your whole life long. Because what that does is God has adopted you into his family. And therefore, when there's somebody who was adopted, uh, you may ask them, uh, why are you so happy in the family? They don't say, because I was adopted, but I am adopted, and my parents love me as though I was born into their family. That's right. All right. So the race well run, your long war won, your crown shines splendid as the sun. What crown is that? Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give unto thee the crown of life. Yeah, excellent. That's why I like working with you. Your answers are often quotations from the Bible. And that's exactly what this hymn is saying, is that the glorious weapon 
God has given us is his word. Okay, stanza three, please. Okay. Wisely fight, for time is fleeting. The hours of grace are fast retreating. Short, short is this our earthly way. When the Lord, the dead will waken, and sinners all by fear are shaken. The saints with joy will greet that day. Praise God, our triumphs sure. We need not long endure scorn and trial. Our Savior King, his own will bring to that great glory which we sing. So Talk about the, the last day. Yes, this is Judgment Day, and it definitely gives a picture that during that time, our time here on earth is fleeting. Uh, can you imagine how quickly our life has gone by already? Oh, it's unbelievable. You know, I think about that. Uh, you know, I think now I'm, I'm 67 years old. I can hardly believe it. Uh, <laughs> it's just unbelievable. You know, 40-some years in the ministry, where did it go? I guess part of it, you know, having a family, raising a family, and working hard in the parish, and it's just before you know it, here I am, 67. And you don't feel it, do you? Not not really, although sometimes when I'm walking in the morning and I'm <laughs> I'm creaking along, you know, and my knees are cracking, uh, sometimes I feel like that. But, but I still, I don't know, I still feel, you know, there are times when I feel like just a kid, you know what I mean? Uh, right. And, and, and part of that is that no matter how much I've learned in 40 years of ministry, I still feel green sometimes, you know what I mean? Oh, my. Yeah. Well, that's why I do Law and Gospel because I keep reading about it, you learn more things about how to discern law and gospel from the scripture again and again and again. So nobody knows it all. No. But it says, interesting, um, the hours of grace are fast retreating. What does that mean? Well, it's, it's soon. The end, the last day, is. he says, behold, I'm coming soon. That's one of the last things he said to us in the book of Revelation. I'm coming soon, and uh, time is fleeting. And uh, uh, the idea being, now is the time. Now is the day of salvation. Don't put it off. If, what, if, what if the thief on the cross had put it off another day? Yep, yep. You know, think, think of all those last-minute repentance uh, why put it off? If you you could lose your life so quickly in this day and age, and uh, time is up, and that's it. Yeah, I heard a joke recently. Somebody was asked, "Have you lived your whole life in St. Louis?" And that's where he was born. And you know what his answer was? What? I don't know. It's not finished. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, but, you, you know just... it's 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 getting close, and you know I I I think I, Christians have always felt this way, Tom. They've always felt that Christ's second coming is imminent. I remember hearing uh, professors at the seminary saying, "Well, uh, maybe not in my day, but I wouldn't be surprised if he came in your day." And uh, uh, I'll tell you, the the signs of the times are su such. You know, the way the world's going these days, it's and I think it'll get even worse. Uh, before it gets better. But uh, we need to always be ready. I think the signs are such that we really need to be prepared. We need to watch. And we're prepared 
from a pietistic point of view, you get yourself prepared, but for a Christian point of view, you're prepared by Jesus. Yeah, God prepare me. That's right. And he does that by using his word, and you said it specifically, the promises to comfort us. See, that's the essence of the Christian faith are the promises of the gospel. And therefore, our triumph is sure. Every now and then we'll run into a member who's near death and they're a little worried about whether they're going to heaven or not. How, How do you approach them? I'd say I'd say look to your look to your baptism. Look to the cross. If there's a crucifix hanging in the room, look look to the cross. That's how much Jesus loves you. He loves you no less than when he prayed for you the night the night in uh, the garden of Gethsemane and when he went to the cross the next day. He loves you no less than he did then. And he was thinking about you even then. Uh, I'd, I'd turn them, remind them of their baptism and the absolute certainty of, of, our, of God's promises in his word. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. You are mine. That's what Jesus said about you. There is a promise in that last stanza. We need not long endure scorn and trial. Now, I find that when I'm talking to people who aren't attending church, etc., they don't feel that they're really under much scorn and trial. What's their problem? <sighs> well, hmm. what haven't they heard enough of? They haven't heard the law. They haven't heard exactly. the law Exactly. They yeah. haven't heard the law enough. And they'll say things like, well, I know my neighbor is a worse sinner than I am, or <laughs> my coworker or whatever. Yeah, no, I'll tell you. And that's that's a failing of preachers today is they don't preach the law and the gospel adequately. Yes. You we need no, you I, need both. Yep. Yeah. And, and the gospel must predominate. And that means you always end the sermon on a high note. A high note in the sense of well, here's where you have scorn and trial. But here is where Jesus has defeated it. He underwent scorn and trial in our place so that we need not worry about continuing in scorn and trial. There will come an end to it, and that end will be in a heavenly bliss in heaven. That's right. Fear not the hordes of hell. Here is Emmanuel, God with us. So this is a a great hymn. And I'm glad you recognize today it's the church militant. <laughs> you know, I always I always get a kick out of the the name of the tune. Uh, you know, you talk about English. I talk about German being thrown around. Walk it auf. <laughs> Wake up. Walk it auf. Yes. Yeah. You have to kind of explain with prayer. Employ you. That's a verb that's not used that often in this sense. Right. But it means to make use of prayer. Yeah, be employed in prayer. That's right. Making use of it to turn to the Lord. Yeah. Well, thank you very much, Pastor Mark Smith. I'm Tom Baker. On tomorrow's Law and Gospel, in light of Monday's discussion of Mark 3, we're going to be talking about the Old Testament reading for this 
second Sunday after Pentecost from Genesis 3. Join with us. And until then, God bless you. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.